The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by the Embassy of Japan, celebrating Japan's gift of cherry blossom trees and Japan-U.S. friendship. Little flower, big story. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, March 26th. In today's news, President Trump says Bob Mueller acted honorably as Democrats demand to see the special counsel's full report. The Justice Department comes out for fully repealing Obamacare in court. And Barack Obama privately warns House Democrats to think more about the price tag of their liberal priorities. But first, the big idea. At the Casa Ismail Clinic for HIV-positive men with severe health complications in Toha, Baja, Puerto Rico, the staff used to immediately change patients' diapers after they were soiled. But last week, clinic administrator Mirna Izquierdo told the nurses that had to stop. To save money, the nonprofit clinic, which relies on the food stamp money of its patients for funding, will ask patients to sit in diapers in which they have repeatedly urinated, sometimes for hours. The clinic is short on funds in part because of cuts in food stamps that hit about 1.3 million residents of Puerto Rico this month. Today, 43% of Puerto Rican residents are grappling with a sudden cut to a benefit they rely on for groceries and other essentials. My colleague Jeff Stein, who visited the clinic, says this man-made crisis is really hurting an island that's still struggling from the effects of Hurricane Maria in September 2017. Meanwhile, here in Washington, after initially vowing to reject any food stamp funding for Puerto Rico, President Trump has agreed to the emergency request to help Senate Republicans get the votes they need to pass a broader disaster relief package. It may be taken up for a vote later this week. But at an Oval Office meeting on February 22nd, Trump asked top advisors for ways to limit federal support for Puerto Rico. He believes the island is taking money that should be going to the mainland, according to several senior administration officials. The afternoon session focused on Department of Housing and Urban Development grants. It ended abruptly, and Trump has continued to ask aides in the weeks since what's being done to limit how much money the island gets. Trump says he wants money only to fortify the electric grid there. Trump has privately signaled he will not approve any additional help for Puerto Rico beyond this new food stamp money setting up a congressional showdown with Democrats who have pushed for more expansive help for the island. A senior administration official with direct knowledge of that meeting last month describes Trump's stance to my colleague Josh Dossi as, quote, he doesn't want another single dollar going to the island. Trump sees Puerto Rico as fundamentally broken and has told advisors that no amount of money will ever fix its systemic problems. He has also occasionally groused about how ungrateful political officials in Puerto Rico are for the help he's already given them. One key factor is that the Trump administration officials who used to defend the island, especially Tom Bossert, the former Homeland Security Advisor on the National Security Council, are no longer in the administration. Mick Mulvaney, Trump's new chief of staff, agrees with him and has encouraged the president to cut off Puerto Rico. Other aides have described a president who regularly brings up the island during meetings to check that they're not getting too much money. Current and former officials also say that Trump often complains that Puerto Ricans do not even know how to spend the money that the island has been allocated. It apparently requires repeating, 
but Puerto Ricans are Americans. This is happening to U.S. citizens. The islanders who fled to Florida after the hurricane also get to vote in the 2020 presidential election. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Bob Mueller notified Attorney General William Barr and Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein three weeks ago on March 5th that he would not offer a definitive conclusion on whether Trump sought to obstruct justice. That decision left a gap ripe for political exploitation. After accepting the report, Barr and Rosenstein made the call Mueller would not, determining that the evidence was insufficient to allege that Trump obstructed justice. Their decisive maneuver, outlined in the letter that Barr released on Sunday, has sparked allegations that the two Trump appointees rushed to a judgment no one asked them to make, and it has become a key flashpoint in the intensifying political fight over the conclusion of the special counsel's work. A day after Barr said that Mueller did not establish any coordination between Trump and Russia on election interference, Democrats attacked the attorney general and issued an April 2nd deadline for him to turn over a copy of the report so that they can see for themselves what Mueller really concluded. Trump, who had repeatedly derided this investigation for two years as a witch hunt, said Monday that Mueller acted honorably. Rather than try to unite the country, though, the president attacked his opponents and called for the Justice Department to now investigate the investigators, who he said have done, quote, evil things. It wasn't immediately clear when Barr might be able to turn over additional material from Mueller to lawmakers or the public. After the Justice Department closed its investigation into Hillary Clinton's use of a private email server as Secretary of State, it took about two months for substantive documents from the case to be released. Lawmakers want Barr to testify on Capitol Hill as soon as possible. The House Appropriations Committee has tentatively set a hearing for April 9th on the Justice Department budget but other committees with jurisdiction may seek to request Barr's appearance before then. Number two, in a very significant shift that could have greater 2020 implications than the Mueller report, the Trump administration said it now backs a full and total repeal of the Affordable Care Act. The Justice Department divulged its new position in a legal filing late Monday night with the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit, where an appeal is pending in a case challenging the measure's constitutionality. A federal judge in Texas ruled in December that the law's individual mandate can no longer be sustained as an exercise of Congress's taxing power and further found that the remaining portions of the law are invalid. He based his judgment on changes to the nation's tax laws made by congressional Republicans the previous year. The Trump administration in the past has not gone as far as it did last night. In a brief last June, they argued that the penalty for not buying insurance, the individual mandate, could be distinguished from other provisions of the law, which they said could still stand. But in the new filings, authorized by Barr, the attorney general, the administration says that the decision of U.S. District Judge Reed O'Connor should be affirmed and that the entirety of the ACA should be invalidated. If this were successful, the Justice Department's position supporting the judge's ruling would potentially eliminate health care coverage for millions of people, and create widespread disruption across the U.S. healthcare system, from removing no-charge preventive services for older Americans on Medicare to voiding the expansion of Medicaid in most states. This is yet another data point that Barr might be even more overtly partisan than Jeff Sessions was. We've seen it in the vigor with which he's defended Trump's decision to declare the constitutionally dubious national emergency 
to divert money from Congress appropriated for military construction so that the president can build his wall. And we're seeing it with the way that he's handling the Mueller report. Number three, former President Barack Obama warned a group of freshman House Democrats behind closed doors last night to think more about the costs of their liberal ideas. Voters, he said, care about price tags. Obama didn't name specific policies, and to be sure, he encouraged the lawmakers, about half a dozen of whom worked in his own administration, to continue to pursue bold ideas as they shape legislation during their first year in the House. But some people in the room told us afterwards that they took his words as a cautionary note about Medicare for All and the Green New Deal, two liberal ideas popularized by the most famous House freshman, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from New York. People in the room who asked for anonymity to describe the evening said Obama's warnings about cost weren't deficit scolding per se. Rather, he argued that voters care about the costs associated with policies and Democrats need to be ready to answer questions about how they'll pay for their ideas while making big promises. Reflecting on his four years in the Senate, Obama told the new members to work across the aisle, but he warned them against becoming trapped by what he called phony bipartisanship. Obama closed with some advice. He told the newbies to find the policy that they're willing to lose their seats over and to fight their hearts out for it. He said for him, that was the Affordable Care Act. He acknowledged that many House Democrats voted for his signature policy achievement knowing it would cost them their seats. They didn't regret that, he said, after millions of people got insurance. Or at least Obama quipped, he certainly didn't regret it. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, March 26th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.